to the Jackson Cloud. Today we are talking about a different kind of gifting. We've been on a spiritual gift series and we're going to cover a little bit more of the theology of spiritual gifts in the coming weeks. But before we do that, uh, let's finish one more kind of gift, which is more or less the um, five-fold leadership position of the church. More or less kind of how the Bible points it out. Do you guys have any idea what I'm talking about? Nope. Nope. I mean, you've heard of these things, but you may not have heard it in this lingo before because it's kind of, it's an especially Pentecostal charismatic kind of saying. Um, uh. But uh, there's different kinds of leaders assigned to take care of the church. Who do you think those roles are? The pastors. Pastor, or mm -hmm. as we'll call it in today's session, shepherd. Um, it's the same thing. It's got administrator. It. Uh, so that wouldn't. I mean, if someone plays that role, that would probably be like. It would kind of be an apostle would take on an administrator type role. Okay. Ish. Ish. Um, what else? Because let's be honest, when it comes to churches, usually all we think of today for a lot of churches is pastor. And not only that, but we think like that's all they do is like that's what church is, is it's a pastor, not the people. And the pastor's job is to equip the people, not to be the church. So it's partially uh, our fault that all we think of is pastor when it comes to leadership. Secretary. Secretary. So th that would be more in our thinking, too. So when we think of people that we would hire in a church, we would think pastor, and then in a lot of more like standard churches today, you'd have administrator, you'd have secretary, youth pastor, youth pastor, worship treasurer, pastor. worship pastor. So these are the kind of things that we think of for a lot of people when we think of like church leadership. But the Bible's church leadership Ooh, would usher. be <laughs> usher. The Bible's church leadership would be apostle, or we'll call it apest, is the way that. Uh, Alec, uh, Alan Hirsch created this. We're right. a pest. Yeah, I know. A pest, it's an acronym. So first is apostle. What would go under P, do you think? Preacher? Nope. Problem solver? Nope. Prophet? Oh, oh yeah, prophet. Yep. So you have the apostle. And this is an order of, like, who takes kind of top roles in the church. So apostles are at the top, and then prophet. What's next with an E? Probably evangelist. Evangelist, and then an S, we already covered. Shepherd. Shepherd, and then the T. Translator. Teacher. 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 Yeah, yeah. There you go. all right. So, so these are the things that uh, the Bible says, like God gifts the church with people in these kinds of leadership. Now, one of the problems that we have today is that like we treat like we treat this like that's all that calling is. So like there's a few select people in the world who are called and everyone else is just people, you know, like I don't, I don't like that because <laughs> we're all called. That's what it means to be a part of, of the kingdom of God and to be following Jesus is we've all been called to him. And so everywhere we go, we're living out our calling as we install the kingdom wherever we go. Now, there are these specific roles that is just a calling within the church to lead the church. doesn't mean everyone else is not called. It just means like this is someone might be called to ministry, just like someone else might be called to do something else. 
uh, with their life. So part of the problem is, is you guys have just kind of shown that most of us think this way, including myself for the longest time, is that a pastor is what a church has. And that's, that's all that leads to church is a pastor, you know? And even more so, part of the problem we have, and this is my thinking too, is with the rise of mega churches, most of us have been kind of shown or subliminally taught is that every church needs a pastor who is a teacher, right? Like that's supposed to be like, that's the reason a lot of pastors even go into ministries. Oh yeah, I can't wait to teach the church the Bible. Uh, so like you see some really great speakers out there that people flock to. So when Rob Bell gets on a stage and like the first few weeks, there's thousands or hundreds or thousands of people there, <laughs> you like see how he glamorize like the teaching part rather than the pastoring part. Not that Rob Bell's not a pastor, but there's this hybrid thing going on. Most of what we look for in our churches are pastor teachers, right? Yeah. So let's kind of break down what each one of these is supposed to do so that we kind of understand it. First off, well, let's start at the bottom. Teachers actually at the bottom. So just to say that you are a teacher doesn't mean you can't be a pastor, a shepherd, an evangelist, a prophet, or an apostle, right? But if you're especially gifted in teaching, you're going to do a good job at like, uh, at uh, understanding scripture, trying to bring it into people's language so that they can comprehend it better, so they can internalize it. Uh, you'll have, you know, kind of that philosophy bent in you. So have you guys ever had, have you ever had someone in the church in your life that was just like a solid teacher and they had no desire to be a pastor or anything like that, but like when it came to teaching, just gold? Yeah. Yeah. You want to, what was that like? I mean, it was awesome to learn from that person. Mm. Um, I mean, the different, like, they typically had life experiences that went along with what they were teaching. And so it was very powerful to hear the stories and to hear it relate when they would try to teach you about something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they had no desire to be a pastor, but when they did, when they did speak, it was like, all right, everybody stop. This is going to be good. Like, yeah. And it's fine that they didn't want to be a pastor because a pastor is not by a biblical standard a teacher. <laughs> they can teach, but that's not like their main job. So like in, in Bible times, like these scribes probably would have been solid teachers. So their job was to study the scriptures. Maybe they didn't do a good job at bringing it to people's level all the time, but like they understood it. And so like if someone was going off from theology, they could probably call it out if they wanted or or they could they could help people understand. It's also part of the reason like so here's another thing to note, like if you ever met someone who wants to step into one of these roles and they shouldn't because <laughs> like I know people are like, oh, man, pastor, I just need to get out there and preach and get on the street. And there's times where I'm like. Uh-uh. No, you should not. <laughs> like, you will hurt the church dearly. You are not built for this, and you need to stop. Not to say, like, you can't grow in this, but that that is not there right now, and you need to plug into what God has given you to plug into. 
And again, that's partially the church's fault because we've glamorized the teaching portion so much that everyone's like, that's what I want to do. And it's, it's not the call for everyone. So you need to understand, we need to understand that. Likewise, we need to understand that with, with our pastors. If your pastor is not a solid teacher, he's not necessarily supposed to be. <laughs> That's that's not solely what the shepherd pastor role is. So a shepherd, and I think of my grandpa when I think about this. So the way that mm. Alan Hirsch would say, is there a humanizer, a carer, a social cement slash glue? I know those are kind of weird sayings, but like think of what a shepherd does with a flock. He's taking care of them, he's making sure their stuff is provided for. He's helping them along their way. When they run into problems, he's there for them, there to take care of the bruises of whatever's going on, there to cut all that stuff, fluff, wool off of when, when it's gotten too heavy, right? Like these are shepherdly things to do. You're right there alongside someone helping people out. And my grandpa was known for that. Like he was a very, very, very solid shepherd slash pastor. I still have people talk to me about him today. To the point that it freaks me out. He <laughs> he drove to Florida with some people who in the back of the car watched my grandpa's memorial service just for fun. For fun, Olivia. Like, who years, does this? Like years later. Years later, this, years, literal years. Now why, why? Because People connected with him so well because he genuinely cared about you, loved you. If you went to the hospital, he was right there, right? Like, this is where I am not a good pastor. <laughs> like, you go to the hospital, I'm like, okay, the whole church is gifted to come pray for you. Why me? You know, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. Like, there's a lot. I, I'm a little all over the spectrum when it comes to the APEST model, okay? Part of the difficulty in our churches today is that we've said there's only one position in the church, it's a pastor. And you can't, like, so, so in order to work in a church these days, you have to be a pastor and then work with whatever other bent you have in that model. So, like, for me personally, I'm a pastor, but I have a lot more bent in my mind towards teaching and maybe the prophetic side, which we'll get to. But as far as like just the solely shepherd part, I care about that. I love to come and pray with people and teach them about gifts and help them grow. Like I do have the pastor side of me, but as far as like the go to the hospital and and so-and-so is going through a really messy situation. <laughs> like there's sometimes where I'm like, I don't know what to say, what's the right thing to say? You know, like I, I can get nervous on some pastorly fronts. Whereas my grandpa was all pastor, all pastor. To the point that I think teaching was sometimes hard for him and he had to get a lot of extra help to try to grow in that area. Cause that's what the church forced him into, you know? Mm -hmm. So he had to, he had to develop that, but that, that maybe wasn't always like where he could do it very well, but that wasn't where his mind always was. So uh, that brings us to evangelist. And this is another good example of, well, this will be a different example. So evangelist, it could be another good example of why everyone should not do all these things because they're not called to it. Have you ever met a bad evangelist? Yeah. Got you on an example or... 
certain YouTube video comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think it comes to all of our minds if I'm thinking of the same one. That the bodies hit the floor? Oh, no. no oh, no? Okay. That's different. Uh, that's still I, I probably have a different one than her. But the fact no, I that... I think we're thinking the same one because you showed it to me. Oh, okay, yeah. So the fact that we all have a, something come to our mind as bad evangelism, just let's be honest, not all people are gifted to evangelize. Um, like... Think of Billy Graham. He gets on a stage, speaks for five minutes, a hundred people come to Jesus. Like, can you do that? No. Like, that's not Billy Graham, you guys. That's that's a spiritual anointing <laughs> upon him to have the gifting and power to do something that humans could not otherwise do. Billy Graham's not saving all those souls. There's just a very concentrated anointing on him to do it. Uh, and you can see that because there's there's many people across the world who have, through their ministries, millions have gotten saved. Millions. <laughs> if that was the case for all of us, all of Jackson would have been saved by now because every Christian would have just been seeing millions saved, right? But not everyone's gifted for evangelism in that way. And you can see that in the fact that just as there are people who come to me like, Jamin, I want to teach. I'm like, no. <laughs> there are also people who come to me like, Jamin, I just need to get on the street and evangelize. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, you will do damage. Maybe you've met those people who like, turn to Jesus now or burn in hell. Like, that's a method of evangelism and it's turning people away from Christ. Now, believe it or not, Jesus used that message to reach people and warn them to come to him. So that can be an evangelistic message. But the way that Jesus seems to see fruit from it, and these people see fruit from it. Are two separate things. Yeah, so like we have to be honest, not everyone's gifted for this. Here's the other side of the coin though. Um, if you're not good at evangelism, should you not do it? No. Right? You're always called to evangelize. Right, it's a no brainer. So the fact that you may not be gifted and called in the church specifically to go out in the streets which honestly isn't even a tactic that works as well as other tactics these days. Um, just because you're not gifted to that level does not mean that you don't evangelize. We're all required by, by the Bible to be evangelizing. But most people are going to do it in their day-to-day -day relationships with the people that they come in contact with and their neighbors. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, just taking care and showing the world Christ. Whereas there are some who are especially gifted, like Paul, to walk into the Arapagopagus. <laughs> Wait, what was it again? I'm trying to read it in my mind. It isn't the Arapagus, Aeropag. It doesn't matter. Paul goes to a, <laughs> Paul goes to a place, and I went to Greece, and I went to a spot where the Bible says he preached, and I'm just imagining him getting in Wait, front. Was it Anacropolis? No, but it was right outside of the Acropolis. That's Acropolis. Right outside of the Acropolis, I went to this rock where it said that he spoke to all these people in the Bible. And like, the fact that he did that well, and that he could just look around and like, you know, over there, I see all these idols, but you got one idol that says, to the unknown God, let me tell you about him. Like, he's operating in a gifting, and fluidly, he's using teaching, He's got the care of a pastor, and he's coming to evangelize to these people, and he does it really well. Some people can work on that level. 
But can you think of people in your life that you would be terrified if they did that same thing? Probably. It's not to say that the Spirit couldn't move upon them and use them in that moment. It's just to say that some are gifted for evangelism much higher than others, and they need a role in the church because God's appoint them to that. Then there's the prophet, who Alan Hirsch would say is like the questioner, the disturber, the agitator. Likewise, though, the Bible shows that these are the ones hearing God's voice clearly, speaking prophetically into the church, not just in disturbing ways, but also in encouraging and consoling and edifying ways. So we might be missing a few extra adjectives that we could put in here. But prophets, I mean, they're the ones who throughout the Old Testament are shaking things up, looking at how the world is and saying it's not okay. And here's what God has to say to you. And at least in my life, I've felt a lot more of that drive lately to have to like speak out and just say, look, we're falling apart and we need to focus on, on what God is calling us to. So like that of course can come in a teaching kind of way. It can come in a pastorly kind of way. Uh, but in the, the anointing of what a prophet does is they're called to, to agitate the church, to agitate God's people and to wake it up and ask questions and, and, and also to hear God's voice and, and speak it out. And I, I'm not saying that's what I do. I'm just saying, like, I feel that I feel that urge when we're stuck in life as is to disturb sometimes, you know. And then the apostle, you know, you said administrator at first, which in your mind, administrator is probably like taking care of tasks, making sure everyone's on the right page. Is that? Well, it's making sure that everything that needs to get done in the church is at least delegated or can get done. Okay. So an apostle may not match administrator quite like that, but it would be apostles are at the top. They're kind of the entrepreneurs, the pioneers strategist, innovator, visionary, like, man, I just, this week, I sat <laughs> through nearly 24 hours of Zoom meetings <laughs> with a, a group, and it was a great meeting, don't get me wrong, but it was a group uh, that feels like God has spoken to them prophetically to plant five million churches and they're already over like a million, I think. So, wow. Yeah, that is apostleship. Like their minds are wired to think constantly. How do mother churches give birth to baby churches? And in their minds, they they say this a lot. Like we always try to, uh, we always want the church to be born pregnant. In other words. As soon as we launch a new church, we've already thought a step ahead. How is what they're going to do going to launch another church, going to launch another church? And so they try to plant at least once every year to two years. That's where their minds are. Now, now I'm going to be honest. I, I've tried to exercise that kind of thinking. We've now launched... Jackson Cloud is, is an attempt at a third church, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to exercise that entrepreneurial ship. I hate that word. I can't say it. But I am not wired <laughs> like that. Like these guys are stepping in as apostles and wiring me to pay attention to the words of the apostles. But it's not where my brain is constantly like five steps ahead. 
and partially because I have no administration skills. <laughs> I'm not thinking like, what do I need in place to make this work financially? How do I innovate to make this happen? Like that's not in my ball game at all. Someone else needs to step in and, and do that stuff. Cause if it's me, I'm just like, no, we're just meat, <laughs> you know? right? Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah. So like, so like, there's there's very. I I try to work in that capacity, just as just as we should try to work in all these capacities, right? Say you're not a teacher, should you therefore never teach anyone anything? No. No, because you're always a step above someone else, and when you teach them something, you're a disciple. Uh, not always. Okay. In many cases, you're going to run into someone that could learn from you. That's discipleship. You've taught them in that moment. So just because you're not anointed as a teacher does not mean that you are therefore not a teacher. If you're not a pastor, should you never take care of anyone? <laughs> Obviously not. If you're not an evangelist, should you never evangelize to anyone? Obviously not. Okay, hang on. You're using a lot of double negatives here. So just so just so we're clear, we're saying you should do these things, even if it's not your gift. Yes. There's a lot of double negatives. Just want to make sure everyone's hearing the right thing. Everyone should be teaching, shepherding, evangelizing, prophesying, because you should be calling out the things that are wrong and disturbing that and listening to God's voice and speaking that out. And we should all be apostolizing. <laughs> I don't know if that one's apostles. We should all be apostles. We should be apostles, but we can totally apostolize. Apost no. That apostasize? Apostasize is turning away from God. So let's just be no, clear what Olivia is saying now. She said apostolize, not apostatize. Which is something very different. Just use the skills of the apostle. And I'm not saying we should all be apostles. I am saying we should all work in the same kind of things that all these things work about. What did I just say? So you should basically level up your apostle stats. No. Yeah, honestly, well. <laughs> yeah, you should always be working to level up in these areas. Even if it's not your natural gifting, you might not get to do it to the same extent as someone else. You can still do it. Yes, and try. You are still required in some way to do this. So if, if a church is planning a new church, you shouldn't be like, I'm not an apostle, I'm not gonna do it. No, you should listen to the Holy Spirit. If he convicts you, you should go with that new church to plant that new church. That's a part of just how it works. But on the opposite, also important side, if you're not an apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or teacher, you should not claim to be one. Otherwise, you create dangerous scenarios that you don't want to create, you know? But you should still exercise the same kind of abilities and things that apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers do just on the level that you've leveled up in, as they've said. <laughs> so that's- I'm glad my, my gaming analogy <laughs> was able to work in this. It worked in this, it worked. Yeah, that's, that's just kind of a, hey Pat. That's our friend Pat. That's just kind of a look at uh, the five-fold ministry of church or APEST as others would call it. Uh, does it does it make sense? Does it kind of help out? Have I said this too? It makes sense. Too many different ways. I mean, I've it's... It. I've followed. Yeah, once we got to the end, it came together. There was a little bit where it was starting to break down, but I think we got it. Okay. So do these things, but don't do these things. 
I th no, do these things. Don't abuse these hey, things. Hey, there it is. That's the quote right down there. I'm not going to edit it in because I'm too lazy. But if I was going to, that would be what the quote would say. <laughs> do these things. Don't abuse these things. Today we talked about a pest. And let me tell you about pests. Nope. Nope. Leave a comment, like, subscribe, and join us on Discord channel. Tell us what kind of pest you are.